I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talk to the Audience where this is always death. I am one of your hosts, Bob Mackey, still waiting for that King of the Hill reboot. Who is here with me today as always? Troy McClure action figure discoverer, Henry Gilbert. And in case you don't know, Talk to the Audience is our monthly community podcast. It launches at the end of the month on Patreon, the beginning of the month on the free feed. And what we do in this podcast is go over what's happening in the Simpsons world and what's happening in our world. And we also answer your questions and comments from the last round of episodes. And yes, welcome to October. And by the way, I'm recording remotely from Canada. I was supposed to be here earlier, but something happened we'll talk about later. <laughs> this is a temporary recording setup. This will not be my setup when I move to Canada, just so you know. I have not moved yet. I I am here temporarily for a week to stay with my wife. So that's what's happening now in my life. But a lot is happening in the Simpsons world. Uh, more news than last month. Uh, and that's because there's a new season on TV right now. It just started mm-hmm. uh, yesterday as of this recording. And I've got on the floor reporting on some of the news from Simpsons. Thanks to my travels this month. Uh, it was a mix. It was a mix of like travels and uh, and quarantining this month uh, for, for both of us, really. It was really truly the best of times and the worst of times. Oh, yeah, we, we both the traveled worst a lot. Of- yeah or the blurst of times also the blurst of times as well uh but yes last night uh had the uh, fox had the premiere of season 34 habeas tortoise in which homer uh falls for a QAnon style conspiracy unfortunately uh with my current setup here i did not was not able to watch it but henry i know you watched uh this episode yeah the the first thing this morning on hulu i i gave it a watch and it was uh an interesting season premiere uh it was written by one of their newest writers brody gupta who's a funny twitter person who who is also like younger than us <laughs> and uh, a funny internet person but uh, the the idea came from i believe matt selman because he talked about it at d23 and i'll, I'll get into that later but he uh, it was inspired by QAnon and similar conspiracy theories and some might not like that I think he wanted to come to it from a slightly empathetic point of like, why, why do people fall into QAnon style conspiracy theories? Because people are lonely and feel stupid and, and disliked in the world. And they want like some sense of community. And sometimes they find it with, uh, you know, other crazy people. Yes. Basically just uh, doing a big LARP with people. That's essentially what QAnon is. So Homer uh, is looking for like this, uh, tortoise that vanished from the zoo and he falls into uh, a online conspiracy theory group with a bunch of other people and they uh, kind of all lose it. Uh, I, I won't give away the, the whole thing, but a, an interesting thing is that Gil makes a love connection in the episode. It's uh, it's a funny... Uh, though also, this is an episode I... I mean, I think I say it every time I watch a new one, but boy, Julie and Dan both... Uh, both uh, I don't know why. They sound a little older than usual, I, I have to say. I, I think these complaints that we have are aging uh, more than they are, though, unfortunately. Yes, yeah. It's it's old to say, but it was, it was a fine little episode. Disney is... Uh, I guess they, they used an AI to recreate James Earl Jones's voice in uh, whatever new Star Wars thing they're doing 
So mm-hmm. I feel like that is the future of these voice actors. They've recorded uh, hundreds of hours of uh, their voices, every possible emotion, every possible syllable and word. Uh, I don't think there will be a recasting. I think we're going to be dealing with AIs of our favorite uh, cartoon actors for the rest of our lives after they pass. Yeah, I think we were too uh, hopeful thinking that it would just be as simple as, and they got a new actor like they do with, you know, Jiminy Cricket or whatever. But yeah, all these people have been recorded in modern times enough that they can uh, just be re recorded like you know james earl jones he's 91 he's you know not has the best health and i think he just uh, instead of recording himself even from his bed he's just like look pay me whatever it was disney paid him and i'll allow you to just have an ai copy my voice and uh, like match up with somebody like if you watch the obi-wan show and hear some of the lines darth vader says in it uh you could probably find the flaws if you wanted to but it is pretty impressive in in a horrible horrible way uh how how much it sounds like him hey when i'm 91 i want the the ai to do the podcasting for me i'm sure it will come (laughs) up with all the same opinions and then i can just lay in my bed and uh you know just count the ceiling tiles until it's time to check out you know 20 to 30 years from now i i guess the the tech disney has will be public and so we could we could use it ourselves instead Mm -hmm. of doing podcasts when we're in our 60s or 70s if you can spot the differences listeners uh (laughs) so moving on here uh so season Season 33, that was the previous season, of course, of The Simpsons, uh, arrives on Disney Plus on, on October 5th. I'm in Canada. It's already here, folks, because Canada has the better uh, Disney Plus because they don't have Hulu. So if you're in Canada, you have access. But hey, Americans, you're going to get the 21 new episodes on Disney Plus on October 5th. And there are some good ones in there. Yeah, there really are. There really are. Like the uh, compliment to our pal, The Real Jims, his video on praising the Pixelated and Afraid episode was really a really great video. I, I guess you seen it too bob i have not seen the video or the episode but i now now that he made the video about it i do want to watch it Mm, that, that should be your first one to watch when you pull up old Disney Plus. Yeah. I was going to ask you, did we actually talk about the new shorts yet? Did that launch no, too no, late No, no, we last haven't. It came, it came like literally two, three days after we recorded the last one. So, okay. Yeah. I have seen it. I just watched it before this uh, this podcast recording. You probably watched it like a month ago, I'm guessing. I watched it live at D23 in the oh, same okay. room as Matt Groening. Yeah. Let, let's get to that news and then we can talk about the short because uh, I guess that's where it premiered. Uh, it actually went up like that morning, I think. But yeah, we were I saved it to see seeing the, the panel. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Henry went to D23. D stands for Disney. 23. Uh, I, I don't know what that means, but uh, I, like maybe I Henry, know. I do you know, know? Is it like when Mickey Mouse was uh, conceived? Oh, you know, I think that was well, because they are about to celebrate the hundredth uh, year of Disney as a business okay so, it was 1923 yeah. then i guess but uh yeah. yes that's the big disney convention and that's when they announce a bunch of new stuff and there's like new merch there but henry please tell us what that was like and especially the simpsons panel yeah so i you know i haven't been to a con in a while and this is like you know comic con but just for disney stuff and it is a mix of disney freaks you have the park freaks you have the old animation freaks you have the marvel comic freaks you have star wars freaks and you have i'd say about you know uh 4,000 
uh, Simpsons freaks in the Simpsons panel room. And my husband had always wanted to go to it. And you have to like buy a special pass and everything to do it. We didn't buy like the super fancy pass, but we did pay like a couple hundred bucks, I think all told for us to go there, but it was a good time. And the Simpsons panel was fun. Cause so yeah, it was hosted by Yardley Smith. You had Matt Groening, Al Jean, David Silverman, Matt Selman, Tim Long, and... Did you say Carolyn Omine? Well, so Carolyn Omine was in the crowd, Uh. and I did get to meet her. They did a bit where people in the crowd ask a cartoon version of Homer questions, and they just basically play a new clip of Homer answering her question, which was fun. That was more fun than the new short, honestly. But but Carolyn Omine was one of the people asking questions, and I saw she was sitting, uh, you know, 10 chairs away from me. So afterwards, I said, hey, it's me, Henry. I'm not a psycho. I interviewed you. Uh, we're friends. And she's like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. And I, of course, went to it wearing my Genius at Work shirt just uh, in case I was spotted. But uh, it was fine. You know, the funniest thing I'd say was uh, David Silverman was drawing stuff live. He drew a drawing of Burns hang gliding mr burns hang gliding and then he drew a picture of homer playing the tuba with spider pig in the bell of the tuba uh which were very fun drawing and, and shockingly uh they teased more disenchantment yes. which uh <laughs> not expecting that actually uh we could admit we'd never watched the fourth uh set of episodes whatever you want to call them i i assume there's a cliffhanger or uh it's something is unresolved uh, otherwise i don't understand how there could be more but yeah. apparently a uh, graining very busy guy simpsons disenchantment futurama and and a lot of uh, new little blonde children he's raising as well. He had a good joke that we've both heard before of him saying like, you know, the nice thing when you have Futurama and Simpsons going on together at the same time is if I'm at the Simpsons, I can say, oh, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I got to go to this Futurama office. And if I go to the Futurama office, I say, oh, you know, Simpsons, I, I got to go to their office. I can't do it. And it's an easy way to dodge work. And they said, and yes, for people who are asking, we're working on more disenchantment. It's coming is, is what he had to say. And, hmm. uh, and also, yeah, there was a about the new short i i just had to say gene was kind of funny because he was in slightly grumpy comic book guy mode i think <laughs> he actually said two times when he had a grouse he was like a comic book guy moment here but he also said that like james l brooks pitches the shorts ideas which i think maybe that's really the rotten root of the whole thing of it really <laughs> i think uh, yeah, I, yeah i guess we can uh, we could talk about it. i mean it will shock no one that i didn't like the short i, I didn't really like any of them uh I, I hated some more than others. This one fairly inoffensive, but it does feel that a lot of the joke concepts they're working with are just so old that Disney has been playing with them for decades now. So number one, just the very idea that the Disney owning The Simpsons is funny. Yeah, that had about a, a, a week shelf life before I was done with it, and that was back in 2019. And the fact that they're still doing the what if what if Lisa was a Disney princess and like imagine the possibilities. Yes, they they swerved and she was a villain, but it's like no, no, it's it's actually kind of dark and tragic that Disney owns The Simpsons, and I don't want to think about it. And um, the appearance of Loki, I was very upset by that. Even <laughs> if they make a joke like oh Disney made me appear, it's like yes, yes, it's very funny that you're being forced to do things. And then uh, there's a song which is fine animation is very nice they obviously worked hard on it and i'll say like the best thing to come out of it are those illustrations at the end which is kind of the same with every short that's usually my favorite part too yeah <laughs> yeah but th- them doing a bit about how boring disney princesses are we we just covered beauty and the beast uh, a huge chunk of the movie is kind of about that yeah and then, uh we have the movie enchanted from 15 years ago they do an entire bit about that that's like a plot point and a lot of the jokes are about boring princes so it's like you guys you can't trot 
that out again. Mm. Uh, I just wish, again, these are very old comedic ideas, and it does sound, I mean, James L. Brooks in his 80s, if he's the one pitching these things, you can't say <laughs> no to him. Maybe that's why we're seeing these, but I, I just, I'm sort of demanding fresher comedic ideas. But again, these are promotional shorts. They're not supposed to be, like, the most clever thing on the planet. They're supposed to be, like, a platform to advertise other characters, and in yeah. that respect, it's successful, but I don't think it's a successful comedic uh, premise or, or, like, execution. Yeah, no, I, I, I got a few answers to that thing from Gene just talking about it and, you know, with what we know we can read between the lines, but, like, there was some video before the panel about, you know, Walt Disney's blah, 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 like all of that, you know, uh, hero worship bullshit that the, or cult-like atmosphere you get at a Disney thing. And then now Gene was like, you know, our Walt Disney is James L. Brooks, and he said, do a short where Lisa becomes a princess. And Gene seemed to indicate that they tried pitching that and they thought that was pretty boring, so they thought it'd be more fun if she became a villain and they did a song. And so I do think this would have been more boring if she was like hanging out with Snow White and Ariel, perhaps. But mm-hmm. and and also I felt really in touch with Al Jean at that panel because I'm watching it and you know in the song the villains are singing about do- doing villain things and Cruella Deville shoots fire from her hands and burns some house or whatever. And I watched it thinking like Cruella Deville does not have magic powers; she cannot shoot fire from her hands. And Al Jean said that immediately after it was over. He's like, a uh, comic book guy, Corel Deville does not shoot fire from her hands. And I was like, oh, see, I'm at least I agree with you there. But then it's like, but then why is it in there then if you know it's wrong? Like, yeah, he he yeah. should have been in that shorts room. And and as usual, I, I we always have to say, but I do mean this, like David Silverman works really hard on the with his animators, I think works really hard on a thing that, you know, it's not his pitch. And he mentioned this great thing that they've had. A, we talked about her just recently on Rescuers Down Under and, and other stuff. Kathy Zielinski, uh, a very underrated animator from the Renaissance era of Disney, who still is working and has been animating on Simpsons for years now. Silverman made a point to get Zielinski to animate Ursula because she animated the best Ursula bits in Poor Unfortunate Souls. So he wanted her to be the Ursula animator for this. And so, you know, that's that's another of those things where it's like, man, their heart's in the right place. I and, and I really like that. But yeah, it's uh, it, it could have been better. It could have been there's better. There's going to be more of them. Uh, yep. But yes, yeah. uh, they can only be less bad than some of the others. I don't think they can ever truly be good unless they just say, hey, let's make a short not about something Disney owns, which they're not ever going to do that. That um, seems unlikely. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so. we pointed out Disney does not own Billie Eilish, but she has a deal with them, which is why <laughs> her concert is on Disney Plus. So this is all this. These are all just commercials for things. So yeah, I you mean, know, they, they got a BTS special on Disney Plus. I wonder if they're getting them next for the Simpsons. Oh, I, I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised <laughs> by that. So, yes, that's our, our review of the short. And uh, also at D23, Henry, uh, he broke the news about new Troy McClure Super 7 action figures. They're of all of some of the best shorts uh, within the show. So um, we have the uh, the Fuzzy Bunny short version of Troy fl- from uh, Bart's Friend Falls in Love. Uh, we have uh, the Troy from Meet and You Partners in Freedom from Season <laughs> 7. And then we have Troy from, I believe, the final Troy McClure short, uh, Someone's in the Kitchen with DNA. No, that's like the second to last one. It's, it's one towards one. the end. And that's yeah, from Lisa the, the Simpson, correct? Yes, yeah. The, the okay. last one is the the bird one. The, right. About, yeah. Part the mother. And and all three come with an accompanying character. You, you Fuzzy Bunny himself with the Fuzzy Bunny model. And then uh, for you have Jim 
Jimmy or Billy, whichever one it is, from from those partnered with him too. And they're they're of the style of the McBain figures, so they're not as hyper articulated or specialized as you know the really fancy ones they've done of like Poochie and Krusty that's coming soon. But it's it's really great, and honestly the the box art for it uh, just look at the graphics uh they're by bill morrison and he did a very very good job as as he always does on mm. it. it it looks it looks great yeah i so, feel like you're you're destroying the sanctity of that figure if you open the box but that's why you gotta buy two of them yes and yeah. i know they're pretty expensive so if you can afford it go for it but yeah those are really cool i i think i was the first person to tweet about them i saw them on the on the display i was like wait i didn't see these announced but i'm not a mega toy guy toys get announced all the time i didn't hear of but then i looked on twitter and i swear i was the first person to tweet about it uh if if not one of the first well as long as none of the troy mcclure figures are smoking they're completely fine <laughs> uh yeah no i saw the yeah i got to see the crusties and, and mr teenies with smoke-free hands the the children are safe from the cigarettes uh, yeah they'll on, never on see crusty. a smoker now <laughs> <laughs> famous famous role model crusty the clown uh mm-hmm. so moving on to more cartoon news the fox network boss says uh, simpsons family's guy and bob's Burgers renewals are underway. The talks for them, rather. Duncanville is canceled. But mm-hmm. uh, I read it more into this article. Surprising, surprising renewals like uh, Housebroken. We're all watching yeah. that, right? Yeah. Uh, that that is getting uh, a season two, and I feel like. Uh, it's sort of a Duncanville situation where Duncanville was not a hit. It was not really getting a lot of buzz, but they're like, let's give you 13 more episodes and see what happens. And I think that's what's mm-hmm. happening with this. Well, I think bless the hearts was kind of the same way where it's just like, let's, let's give you another season and see if people discover this show. And I feel like that is what's going on with house broken because I've never seen a tweet about it. Oh, I've never no. seen, um, I've never talked to a person who's seen it. It's never shown up in a discord anywhere. So somebody has to be watching this, but, uh, I, I guess Fox believes in it, but I did notice that like D- Dan Harmon is getting his 43rd show on TV. <laughs> <laughs> is, um, is Crapopolis the, or uh, Crapopopolis the, the, is that the NFT show as well? Like, cause one was supposed to have a uh, matching blockchain stuff with it too. I, I recall. I think that's more of a Justin Roiland thing. Uh, maybe Dan Harmon's on, but Cra- Crapopolis is okay. uh, a Greek uh, animated, uh, so animated comedy about ancient Greece created by Dan Harmon. It's going to be the first animated, show primetime show that fox fully owns fully Uh, owns wow yes uh because now i guess uh anything they own in the past is uh now disney's property so uh it's funny they have to negotiate with disney to renew family guy and the simpsons and bob's burgers but now they're developing their own things that they will wholly own uh themselves and kripopolis is the first one apparently so uh, i i I did remember correctly, July twenty, uh, July of this year, they talked about it still, that you'll have an opportunity to purchase and collect crap chickens during the show. Great. Uh, that unlock, uh, NFTs that unlock exclusive utility and social media clout, according okay. to the article. So, uh, that, that's yeah. very that's very tragic. I, I wanted to yeah. think it was just uh, Justin Roiland who was into that, but I guess uh, it's Harmon as well. They're both Tesla owners, so, you know. Where, he needs where, he needs where, more self-driving cars oh god man that yeah i can't again it's like that was a fun night but i still think about like we paid money to listen to dan Harmon brag about his new self-driving yes. tesla uh my love affair with dan Harmon is over unfortunately i you know i i feel bad about duncanville though because yeah i see they they like had five episodes that didn't even air on fox they just get burned off on hulu it's it's really too bad yeah hey that got two seasons and yeah. uh yeah. mike scully he 
he's he's still working on the Simpsons and stuff. So uh, I think he's going to be just fine. I think I so, think too. Mike Skelly's going to be okay, kids. <laughs> uh, so moving on, unfortunately, I, I referenced this up front, but uh, a King of the Hill revival won't be happening on Fox. And uh, I mean, if it does come back, it won't be on the network. Uh, I have a feeling it is coming back, but they said, oh, we want to develop uh, new things. Of course, King of the Hill is part of our legacy, but I think it's more like they want to own the things they're they're making. They don't want to like lease King of the Hill to put on their network. They want to yeah. fully own. So that's why they're not interested. I mean, it would immediately be viewed by like five times the people as any new show. But I assume a new show would just be more profitable no matter what. Yeah, I mean, it's just the dollars and cents of it make, you know, it's like, yeah, do they invest millions and millions in hosting a show they don't own that really you're just making a Disney thing more profitable instead of a thing you own? Like, I get that. But though I would think if they partnered a King of the Hill revival with a newer show, maybe it could give it a boost like there'd be benefits to it but i just again this is why i've i keep thinking like oh is simpsons really going to get renewed for that 35th season which now we're in the talk time that's that was how i came upon the other article but you know that guy says the negotiations are going on but yeah if the fox networks is like yeah, we don't want more King of the Hill. It does make me wonder about about Simpsons too. Yeah, I, I just feel like with King of the Hill, it's still such a part of the cultural zeitgeist. You see, you still see memes about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was not true of Beavis and Butthead, and that came back. Like there were not a lot of Beavis and Butthead memes, but like every day on Twitter, I'll see someone posting a clip or someone photoshopping a like a frame of the episode. I just feel like people are still talking about it, and people uh, love our miniseries too. So you know, I feel like we're all just waiting, and it's been uh, almost. 13 years since it went off the air so i think i think it's time i think so too yeah and in more news uh simpsons veteran writer tim long is going to be show running the bloom county series for fox if you don't know a bloom county series if you don't know what bloom county is rather classic newspaper comic one of the best ones ever uh i was looking into the history of this because i was a bloom county fan mm-hmm. uh, and, I, and i bought the books as a kid even though i didn't get a lot of the jokes because it was about very contemporary stuff from the 80s so like bloom county ran from 80 to 89 and then it came back as a Sunday comic, I think called Outland. Yeah, yeah, and then, Outland, yeah. And then that went away, but then in 2015, Bloom County came back and it's been back ever since. But I, it feels like an odd choice to make, uh, an odd thing to make a show into now of all times. Yeah. But because it's it feels so attached to the time it was created, but you know, I, I'm kind of interested and I want to see what they do with it. There was the one Christmas special they made in the 90s. Yeah, the Wish for Wings That Work, which I remember it made me like sad, like, a, like good Christmas specials do but i was like oh this is kind of a bummer you know yeah and uh if you want to see people making fun of trump in the 80s and what they're making fun of him for he is all over the original bloom county comics like all of the oh, right. 80s villains like do you want hey kids do you want to see comics about leona helmsley well <laughs> right. uh there's about eight weeks of them in bloom county and the, like tammy faye baker and things like that that's that's what i associate those comics with the most so um yeah. i don't know what the show's gonna be about but they got tim long and he's been writing tv comedy for like 25 years so it could be good i as a kid my bloom county experience was having unironic enjoyment of bill the cat who was invented to be a joke about garfield but then it got actually popular but as a kid in the 80s i didn't see the irony of it i was like yeah it's is Bill the Cat. He's cool. I mean, obviously, I like Opus more because he is like a, a little tubby sad sack, which I, <laughs> I always love those types of guys. So, <laughs> but yes, it feels 
30 years uh, removed from the one animated special I got. It's, it's a long time to wait to make a Bloom County series. I'm just glad that uh, the creator is allowed to work again after Mars Needs Moms. That that oh. was his doing. Well, oh. he wrote the original storybook that Disney adapted. Was yeah, it Disney? It was Disney, yeah. Yeah, yeah Disney yeah. adapted that into a, a terrible movie. But, you know, don't blame that on him. No, no. I, I, yeah, you know, I hadn't thought about that movie in a long time until our, our all our pals of Podcast the Ride Run Blank Check talking about the, the Pinocchio movie and Mars Needs Mom came up on that as well. I was like, oh yeah, that, that gigantic mess. <laughs> Very, very disgusting. And in our final bit of news here, uh, apparently the the website Crack still exists. Yes. Uh, the fooled me, but uh, they do still exist. And they published a recent uh, oral history about Homer's Barbershop Quartet. Some fun facts came out of this that I don't think were on the commentary, including Jeff Martin admitting, the writer of the episode, Jeff Martin, he admitted that in high school, he was in a barbershop quartet. Uh, that's, yeah, he was probably too ashamed to do it uh, in the in the room with his, on uh, the commentary with... Hank Azaria is on that one. He's like, well, I'm going to admit in front of this movie star that I was a dork in a, in a barbershop quartet as a kid. This, this guy is in Along Came Polly in theaters this fall. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I, I got to give respect to Brian Van Hooker, the the uh, author of that article, the the oral history on Homer's Barbershop Quartet, because yeah, it, some stuff we already knew, including like, uh, I believe it was Daily Simpsons a few years ago hosted the demo tapes that the Jeff Martin did for the episode. But this dug up one of the four Dapper Dance who sang in it, Jim Campbell, to tell his side of the story of being cast for it and all that. And and apparently there was some thing of like they fired all the guys in the Dapper Dance around that time except for him and mm. did like a, a youthful refresh of the Dapper Dance. But apparently Jim Campbell still is among the Dapper Dance today. You know, the next time I go to Disneyland and see the Dapper Dance, I'm going to uh, see if it's the real Jim. If he's there, I'll be like, Jim, Jim. And then obviously in the, in the oral history as well, he straight up says no we still don't sing baby on board it's not allowed in disneyland but he but. did mention disney owns the song now so it could mm-hmm. happen and there's nothing lewd about it it's it's no. a sweet song it's a very sweet song and by the way i was not just being uh, snarky about cracked i know a bit about cracked uh, the behind the scenes because one of the original writers for the website robert evans hosts the podcast behind the bastards and he talks a lot about the plight of cracked where it was an extremely successful website but it did what every website did 10 years ago pivoted to video and destroyed it and all the original writers were fired even though it was a very successful popular website that everyone talked about and linked to it's insane to think of that like they would have when we were both in in the article writing biz you know cracked would do this big thing of showing off on their site like page views like it's like this has like two million views this thing like they would keep their or at least a version of their traffic public and i was and i knew our traffic i was like wow we rarely hit the kind of numbers they hit on their regular articles and i'm trying to write articles like them but uh this you know i couldn't match it on uh, the their kind of view count and to know that it's such the the answer of why it's not that anymore is simply they were lied to by facebook like everybody and and a bunch of assholes were like we'd make more money if on an ad or playing on a two-minute video than an article and they didn't make any of that money and fired everybody it's it's terrible to know the same thing that happened to us happened to every possible kind of website we are not alone uh in in that decade um (laughs) but yes uh at least cracked is still out there doing some pretty good stuff so check out the uh oral history of homer's barbershop quartet now as for our news we have big big 
news to kick off our little news segment here because we're going to be announcing uh, the fall 2022 miniseries right now because what we're going to be doing in the fall of 2022 is more episodes of Blabbing About Batman, the animated series. So uh, the plan is we're going to announce the episodes we've chosen and we've already chosen them. We're going to announce them later this month and then they will start on November 11th and run weekly until the end of the year. So there's going to be eight new episodes of blabbing about batman the animated series and we're very very excited uh, like i'm the dawn of the fall season is approaching and i'm getting into a batman mood and it, it's never mm-hmm. felt more right the fall is the perfect time for batman yeah you know we had we just had so much fun doing batman last year that you know and and both of us had episodes were like ah oh, man if we have to limit it to you know the the episodes we did last year we're leaving out so many but we we had to pick and choose now we can do more of those and it was so easy for me and bob to come up with the episodes we wanted to do like like that you know and uh we had been tinkering with other I- ideas uh for for the miniseries and and i know folks in the discord have been chatting about it too but like this is just such a simple direct idea and then continuation of it like it just made the most sense naturally to us too yes uh i mean we understand if you're disappointed that there won't be a vote but uh to be completely honest with everybody out there uh the batman miniseries was extremely popular we heard about it more than most of the other miniseries we've done that was a big influence on why we decided to do it also henry and i are doing a lot more uh, traveling this fall uh which makes this an easier choice for us it's still going to be a lot of work to do eight episodes but we've already done the groundwork for it so it'll be uh, more efficient for us to do it this way and also unfortunately this year we lost about 20 days of recording time so mm-hmm. we're not really behind on recordings but we don't, we're not as free as we normally are around this time of the year so uh, these are the, the main influences on this decision but I think you're going to enjoy the eight episodes that we chose for this this round of uh, Batman episodes yes yeah and it'll be at the just like before at the five dollar level along with we're still doing talking the hill and talking future drama to each of those in november and december as well as the weekly batmans going up that month too yeah so for eight weeks out of the the year for the final eight weeks of the year you'll get three new episodes a month uh sorry three Mm -hmm. new episodes a week rather uh, and a lot of episodes per month so that's our uh plan uh let us know if you have any questions but again um we will announce those episodes uh within the next couple of weeks probably by mid to late october you'll know before the episodes go live you'll be we'll let you know far in advance and you can start getting excited about what we're choosing and we've got some good ones some returning villains some new ones um some weird stories uh a good mix just like last time Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that is our our big news for this. Uh, as for our regular schedule, let's talk about what's happening there. And uh, so our What a Cartoon episode uh, for October is going to be Tengen Tapa Gurren Lagan, And it's going to be the episode Simon Hands Off. And that's episode 11. And this is brought to you by our um, great patron, Devin. He sponsored plenty of episodes in the past. This is his newest episode. And Henry and I, uh, we love Studio Trigger. We have established love for the series. And it is like nearly a three-hour episode about this one episode of the anime because we have to talk a lot about Studio Gainax, uh, Studio Trigger, and the series director Hiroyuki Imaishi, who is a major, massive talent that uh, we needed to devote a lot of time to. Uh, what he's done and just how amazing he is. Yeah, yeah, we we have so much great fun talking about Gurren Lagann and also you know I I can't not do long run on sentences about Evangelion as well when talking <laughs> about that so probably I inflated the the runtime of that by about 10 minutes just t- saying like and you know this compares to Evangelion like this 
<laughs> but it was a lot of fun. But yes, that is our October episode. It's about an anime that we really recommend, and it's vis- it's uh, viewable on almost everything uh, except for Netflix. I mean, it's, it's very very easy to find and watch. And of course, we have our normal episodes of Talking Futurama and Talking of the Hill. Talking Futurama is going to be about uh, the thirty percent Iron Chef. We have reached the end of Futurama production season three, folks. We've made a lot of progress into the Fox run, and yes, this is the uh, Iron Chef parody, and it's a good one. It's a great one. Uh, I didn't think I liked this one as much as I ended up liking it uh, this time around, so uh, we had a lot of fun with that. And the Talking the Hill episode is going to be about Peggy's Turtle Song, a fun Mother's Day episode that uh, it's it's more of Peggy coming into her own as, as the character mm-hmm. that we love. And uh, guest star, unexpected guest star on King of the Hill, Ani DeFranco. So we talk a lot about her and who she is and how she ended up on the same uh, show that Willie Nelson did. So yeah. That is the King of the Hill episode for October. And guess what, guys? We're going to be ending the year with uh, the propane boom two-parter, the Megalomart explosion and the fallout. We didn't time it that way, but it, that's the perfect way to end the year is with part mm-hmm. one and part two, wrapping up season two, starting season three of King of the Hill. Uh, and our What a Cartoon Movie for October. This is the month of Transforming Robots. Unfortunately, we, we have no Halloween content for you this month, but we are doing two Transforming Robot shows. So we start the month with Gurren Lagann. We end the month with the Transformers, the movie from 1986 uh, and this is Henry's time to shine because I, I've seen almost zero Transformers content and I, I am looking forward to seeing this uh, just for the sheer animation value alone. Yeah, no, I, I have been wanting to do this one for such a long time. We're skipping doing a regular episode about G1 Transformers. We're going straight to the main event of the movie. I have already finished all my notes on the history for it. It is such an interesting history on how uh, this movie was made. If you know the behind the scenes, it is a lot of complicated and bad uh, business decisions. Some P- actors' final movies, like it's it's really really interesting. And of course, you know if you if you watched it as a kid, uh, some parts of it is stuck with you forever. And uh, it's 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 what made you a Transformers fan on some level for the rest of your life. So yeah, I can't can't wait to talk about that. We're gonna record it soon when Bob gets gets back, and yeah, it'll be the end of this month as as the next What a Cartoon movie. And then for the What a Cartoon movie. For- for November, we're having a yes/no vote for Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. It is the first televised Christmas special, and uh, it's a great adaptation of a Christmas Carol. And if you want to hear us talk about the history of, you know, TV Christmas specials and Mr. Magoo and UPA and everything that goes into this, uh, please vote yes. And yeah, we've covered so many notable Christmas specials so far. I feel like this, the first one, is an important one to cover because Mr. Magoo uh, is not the best one. It's still entertaining, uh, but it was the first one. Mm-hmm, yeah, we. We've covered a lot of the first, but not the very first of the TV specials. And yeah, it's got so many great songs. It's it's a, a favorite of mine, too. So I hope you guys uh, vote yes on that poll. Mm-hmm. And now it's time for us to talk about what we've been playing and watching that's not related to podcasting and uh, not a whole lot because this month was busy for me for a lot of uh, good and bad reasons. So Splatoon 3 came out, of course, and I'm loving the hell out of that. Uh, Splatfest was this weekend. I was too busy to play in it. But uh, Splatoon 3, a very high quality game. If you like Splatoon 1 and 2, it's uh, kind of the same thing, but better, uh, you know, a better quality of life improvements. Uh, I, I just I'm really enjoying it. So Splatoon 3, not much more to say about it. Uh, Return to Monkey Island came out. There'll be a new retro 
Retronauts about that. Uh, me and my wife Nina will be on it together. So that's launching on Retronauts on October 3rd for patrons and a week later for people on the free feed. So yes, I'll be talking a lot about that game for 90 minutes to two hours. So I won't say anything more about it here. And I'm also playing everything I mentioned last month. And I dipped my toe into Yakuza 2 Kiwami just because I, I was just getting the mood for a Yakuza game and I have all of them and I still need to play most of them. And um, yes, a very good remake. I played Zero. I, pl- I played Kiwami 1. Kiwami 2 is made with uh, the Dragon Engine. So it's made mm. with the same engine as uh, Like a Dragon and Yakuza 6. So it's very, very, very well made and pretty. But um, only touch that a little bit. I'll go back to it when I have more time. And uh, yeah, well, as far as watching stuff, not a lot of movies. I, I watched... Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1990, literally the same day we recorded our last talk to the audience, so I didn't talk about it at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I think uh, nerds of the time, nerds uh, our age, uh, might overrate the movie a bit because the bar for a good Turtles movie is very low. There are still some very strange choices in the movie that uh, don't didn't sit right with me as a kid and don't sit right with me now. Like they made Donatello, Michelangelo, kind of the same guy, mm-hmm. and it's just really weird to have uh, a Donatello with like this ski easy Corey Feldman voice. That's not it, a guy who does machines. No, no. no. Uh, it, I, I think it's the best movie they could have made because it's essentially an indie movie that could afford to rent Muppets. But um, <laughs> as far as far as the scale of like it compared to the idea of other movies, it's like a pretty average movie, but it still is the best Turtles movie. But yeah. I, I, it was nice to know like all the things that annoyed me as an eight year old. Like, why did they change that? Why is that different? Still as a 40 year old, I was like, well, yeah, I st- they didn't need to change all these things. <laughs> But isn't but, it shocking to hear Raph say, damn? Isn't you know great? what? I noticed every every turtle in the movie says damn except for Leonardo. <laughs> they're all He's they're the all good boy. Yeah, they're all damning it up. It's like that's the one swear word they got in the movie. So they made sure every turtle says damn. Uh, I know I can get it back. <laughs> then it is gone. Sorry, I feel weird. Kevin Clash, uh, yeah, I feel weird doing the voice Kevin Clash does for Splinter, actually. I, it's one of those things that stuck in my mind, and I told uh, Nina, my wife, that as I am fading away, as as I die, when I, when the, what I'm going to hear in my brain is, four baby turtles. <laughs> just, that line reading is insane, and uh, I don't know why it sticks with me. I just, I can, I can just, if I, if I just focus, I could just hear it echoing in my brain kevin clash in that uh, slightly offensive accent um i also saw lady bird for the first time uh, have you seen this movie henry no i i actually haven't it's uh seems good right really good uh very short and to the point it's a 90 minute movie which i appreciate it could have been much longer and even though lady bird is a woman obviously uh three years younger than me i i very much identified with the main character it's like a uh, main character only one friend uh, a weird living in the suburbs uh, an economically uh, disadvantaged family and the mother is a nurse this is like my life on the screen wow uh, but it's, it's very good it's very charming it, it didn't blow me away or anything but it's a very uh, it's a very cute little movie uh, and it's it's very authentic. It's like the authentic late '90s, early aughts teen experience. And you'll think about being a teen, and you'll be very embarrassed about how annoying you were because it <laughs> just captured that perfectly. So that's a recommendation for Lady Bird. Uh, I also got around to seeing a lot of movies that I have never seen before, like Lethal Weapon, yeah. uh, because it's one of those things. Uh, and another another movie on my list is like that too, where it's like, well, I know all the parodies. I played Police Knots. Uh, <laughs> Lethal Weapon one. It's 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 good. It's a good movie. Uh, I didn't 
didn't blow me away, but uh, I don't need to tell you about Lethal Weapon. It's it's very fun. Uh, Are we getting it, close to the age of Murtaugh now, each of us? Like, when he's, he's too old for this shit age? Now? I think like, so. I think he's playing older in the movie. He's turning 50, but I think Danny Glover was, like, in his early 40s at that point. Mm. But uh, it's funny to hear Mel Gibson fight in his Australian accent. Every every inch of that movie is, is like a struggle against that Australian accent. So that's fun to, that's fun to hear. Um, I saw Guys and Dolls, the musical, for the first time. I'm, I'm not opposed to musicals. I didn't think it was very good, and everyone agrees with me that Marlon Brando uh, absolutely miscast, as was uh, Frank Sinatra. They... They stink up the movie, especially Marlon Brando singing. Um, the entire movie is a long drive to the Luckbee Lady Tonight factory. And then Marlon Brando <laughs> just pisses the song down his leg. It's it's really embarrassing. There's, I mean, yeah. the choreography is good. There's some good numbers in there. But overall, I was like, boy, I I wish the movie was cast differently and it would have been yeah. much better. Um, you should I, see a stage production of Guys and Dolls, not watch that movie. Like, now I yeah. want to. Now I want yeah. to. Also, I, I, do love, oh. I do love the line that Marlon Brando, the only thing I remember about that movie i haven't watched it a long time is when marlon brando says if somebody bets you that when they open this pack of cards that it'll spit ink in your face and you are certain that that couldn't possibly happen don't take that bet because that guy knows more than he's letting on i was like oh, i like you know it's a good way of of talking about like you're about to get conned kind of thing i like that saying I mean, Marlon Brando was good uh, as an actor in the movie, but when he started singing, I was just like, oof, this is this yeah. reminds me of like a critic gag or something. Uh, <laughs> there was also one song in the movie where I was like, God, I know it's 1955. This song has too much innuendo in it. And it's one that they added for the movie where uh, all it's like a it's like a it's like a showgirl number and all the girls are in like ca cat costumes. And it's very embarrassing. And the lyrics are like men need to treat their pussies right and give them milk. Whoa. And it's like, all right, guys, I know what you're talking about. All right. This is really embarrassing. I forgot that part. It's like yeah. men need to pet their pussies. It's just oh, like, okay, okay, let, let's oh, end this boy. song. I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm embarrassed for all of you and myself. Yeah. So speaking of movies that I didn't ever saw, uh, that I never saw in the past, um, because I'm like, I, I've seen the parodies. I, I saw Rocky for the first time. Uh, I, I didn't realize how little boxing there is in the movie. Um, a much more of the movie is about feeding turtles than it is about boxing. <laughs> That's uh yeah did did uh, did it make you want to watch more of the Rockies? Yes, I think I think Nina and I are going to go through the Rockies now. Uh, we're going to tour the Rockies, <laughs> and it's funny like uh so the movie starts with like a lot of uh, Rocky feeding his turtles, and then the movie forgets about the turtles towards the end. I'm like, what happened to the turtles? And then I looked it up, and apparently those turtles have lived with Sylvester Stallone for the past nearly 50 years. In 2019, he posted an Instagram like video about them. It's like, oh look, oh. Cuff and Link are still alive, and and they're they're doing great folks that's so that's amazing the turtles wow. from rocky he he kept them and they survived so that that's what i cared about the most is like what what if what if the fate of the turtles uh, the rocky movies i i really enjoy a lot of them even the creed movies i really enjoy uh because michael b jordan rules but like to know that rocky you know on some level was born out of white people hating that muhammad ali was so dominant so they have to make up a fictional white guy to beat up a fictionalized version of muhammad ali in in a movie <laughs> bit much there i mean i can see why it was so successful not just for semi-racist reasons but like every movie from that era was about like everybody's complicated and even the heroes are assholes and it was just like oh what if a movie was about a guy who was nice to everybody all the time and he and he kind of won in his own way and that, i'm sure that was very refreshing in an era of like the godfather and network and things like that and the last thing i saw for the first time truly for the first time as an adult is the muppet movie which i had never seen as an adult
adults. Um, really? Whenever these movies were on TV when I was a kid, and I mentioned this in our Muppet Show podcast, I was like, oh boy, an entire movie about the Muppets? And then like 15 minutes in, I'd be like, this movie is 43 hours long and I am so bored. <laughs> and I will say as an adult, uh, I thought with this movie, it is like a 70s movie with Muppets and that the, the pacing is very like swimmy and languid and the director doesn't really understand the humor that well because there's like so much air in all of these gags that should be a lot snappier and, and shot with more like quick cuts, but like it just feels a bit off. But the the songs and and the general filmmaking is very good and there's like four really good songs in it and especially um, the Gonzo song still is like a heartbreaker even though the movie absolutely does not earn it you're like okay now the chicken fucker is gonna be very wistful and you're like (laughs) I moved more than than seeing a sunset the man who fucks chickens wants to go back there one day Uh, but yeah uh, very very moving and like just like with the Muppet show now that I'm 40 I I recognize every cameo Uh, I'm sure when I was a kid I was like, what are these stupid humans doing? Get to the Muppets. But it's like, oh, Bernadette Peters uh, and uh, Richard Pryor's in this and um, so many other people like uh, Orson Welles. And uh, yeah, it's oh, just Mel it, Brooks. I, and Mel Brooks. All the- yes. The thing I, uh, I was not expecting was basically uh, Mel Brooks playing the, the Dr. Mangala for Muppets. Like <laughs> yes. playing a Nazi doctor who experiments on Muppets in only in 1979 folks. Mm, Yes. Yeah. That's it's, it actually is pretty shocking. And then it leads to like, you know, the payoff of the movie. I've, I've seen it a lot uh, as, as an adult, it was only a few times ago when I watched it that I really got other parts of it, which was I had seen the Muppet movie after I'd seen, I saw Muppet takes Manhattan first as a kid. It is so much of a technical leap forward for their puppetry that I didn't realize the the Muppet movie, which looks, you know, less technically sophisticated as Takes Manhattan. Muppet movie is supposed to be showing off stuff they could never do on the show, like Piggy's giant fight scene in that section, for one thing, you know, or just seeing Kermit on a bicycle. Once you've seen Manhattan, where they all ride a bicycle together, like just uh, just Kermit on a bike, you're like, eh, okay, sure. You know, yeah, they're all riding bikes. That all their mouths are moving. I noticed that, you know, this movie is all about showing those feet because, you know, if you can <laughs> right. see a Muppet foot they're working really hard to to sell the illusion so like Fozzie and kermit are on stage dancing there's lots of like kermit's a uh, freestanding kermit in scenes it, right, it's right it's very odd i don't like the lower half of Fozzie's body i'd rather not see it it's very it's kind of strange oh and he shakes his hips on the stage that is it's a little upsetting yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing air inside that thing um so yeah oh oh i forgot i i saw repo man as well um i didn't like it have you ever seen repo man i i saw it a while ago I like part. I I remember I loved Harry Dean Stanton in it. I really liked him, and uh, he does a great job acting. But I didn't like love it. Yeah, he's really good in it. I feel like the appeal of that movie came at a time when there weren't a lot of weird movies where people swore a lot. So it's like, oh, you got to see Repo Man. It's so fucking cool, man. But I feel like there's so many of those kind of movies now, and they're so easy to access that Repo Man doesn't really stand out. You know, it was the the crust punks that I knew in high yes. school and college. They loved the show, uh, the movie. Because, I mean, Emilio's character is pretty much uh, them or what they aspire to be. Yeah. So I'm sorry if that uh, shows you I'm a normie, but not not a Repo Man fan. Uh, Other news about me. So, you know, I was feeling kind of bored and I love new experiences. So I thought I should get COVID. I wonder what that's like. Uh, So I had COVID for about a little over a week. Uh, Yeah. So I got COVID. Uh, I went to PAX West. Uh, We were very safe uh, for the most part. I did 
my panel fully masked as I was supposed to, but you're around tons of people in Seattle uh, and, and people coming in from all over the place. And yes, I did get COVID. I thought it was just a regular cold because that's happened during COVID and I was testing frequently. In fact, I recorded the Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe podcast while I was feverish with COVID and I didn't think it was. <laughs> so I'm happy Henry did not get infected. Uh, I'm happy my wife didn't get infected, but I was basically like flat on my ass for a week. And that's essentially going back to the Batman plan. We did lose about 20 days in 2022 yeah. between Henry's COVID and my COVID. So I'm part of the COVID club now and uh, not recommended, but I will say that I had like the best possible version of COVID in the best possible time because Henry was on a trip. There were yes. no recordings planned for the most part. I didn't get any like of the severe COVID symptoms. Like I didn't get the brain fog or the shortness of breath or anything like that. It was just like aches and fever for about a week. Uh, it, that wasn't fun, but I'm happy I didn't get long COVID or anything like that. So that was not uh, a good time, but I, I was very fortunate. As, well, and same with the, uh, you got to enjoy the the wonderful taste of Paxlovid as well. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like walking through a fine mist of hairspray for a week, just like <laughs> licking it up. But yeah, I, I'm, again, I'm lucky enough that we can take as much time off as we need to with our self-employed job. So yes, I'm very fortunate in that respect, but it still sucked. Uh, but I've, I've learned nothing. So I am going to be a Portland Retro Gaming Expo uh, next or this month in October. So come see me and my panel. You're going to hear more about it uh, via Twitter and whatnot, but it's happening the Saturday of Portland Retro Gaming Expo, 11 a.m. I'm doing a panel there. Uh, come come there and say hi and I'll be there, but don't give me COVID. I've already had it. <laughs> it's bad luck to get it twice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's basically it. Uh, yeah, COVID stunk, but um, I played a ton of games while just motionless on the couch and uh, that's the best that came out of it is just uh, I got to play a lot of video games. Uh, you know, for my month, I, I've been playing a lot of one game really and that is Yakuza 0. Though now I guess me and you should both start i mean the name of it is yakuza zero but from now on it's like a dragon that's the english name for it from now on that's uh, right there they, was a recent announcement in that they're bringing over some of the older games or at least one of them and it's like well now it's like a dragon so yeah. uh, get used to it you know it was yakuza you like a dragon was the name of the seventh game and then at tokyo game show this um year, month they announced the remake of the one set in the the you know samurai era and then two new games and they're all called in English, the title is Like a Dragon. No more Yakuza titles. So. Yeah, I think Ryu Ga Gotoku is literally like a dragon. In mm. the, That's what the translation is. And that's what the games are always called in Japan. Yeah, I, I know why they called them Yakuza in America. Because it is like they're trying to sell it to GTA fans. Like that was their... Until they finally realized, we can just sell this to weebs and make a profit. We don't need to give, give this to GTA fans. It's funny. There's been about eight Yakuza releases between GTA games, too. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. well, now there's a shortage of these GTA games. People need something to play. Uh, but yeah, Yakuza 0, I'm back in the story now. But when I got, to, uh, when I unlocked the Hostess Club in it, I played that to completion, like for uh, eight hours. Oh, I, me too. I, yeah, it's so good. It's so fun. And uh, and also, uh, I, I played a bit of Defense Grid. I hadn't played that in a while, but I, I, I opened up Defense Grid. I, I just was looking for another thing to listen to, to play while listening to podcasts. And I played a bunch of old Pac-Man games because they were on sale on Xbox. And it's like, you can get a thousand achievement points from Miss Pac-Man. <laughs> like, it's it's amazing. They actually give you that much. And, and of course, I'm playing a ton of Pikmin Bloom. 
still uh we're still uh, me me you nina and in our pals we're we're doing uh, the community stuff every week together well hey they just announced pikmin 4 is literally actually that's right coming for real so i feel like there could be a slight boost in pikmin bloom players because of that i'm so happy they're doing i playing pikmin 3 on the switch version i was like god this game is really good i i can't wait for more of this now i'd yeah i totally forgot that that there was a really good nintendo direct this month with like a brand new i I don't want to go play by play through it but that it started with a fire emblem trailer that looked like i was like is this another warriors game or is this a real one and then at about a minute in they show a grid and i was like yes all right this is a real fire emblem game uh fire emblem engage i'm looking forward to that and and of course the breath of the wild 2 now has a title as well the uh uh like tears of the something Oh, Tears of the Kingdom. Because that's oh, why Tears, they did, Tears, Tears, yes. Because the queen died. What? You know, they, the oh. queen died the day after my birthday, and that's why in the UK version they didn't stream it because they worried it could be seen as as offensive to... to like, who ca- honestly, like, who cares? I don't give a fuck about the queen. I, I, now, they're going to have to wait until there's a new queen to release uh, Tears of the Kingdom um, <laughs> because, uh, you know, we're still waiting for that Advance Wars uh, boot camp to launch. Yeah. God, when, the, when there's no more war that. on this earth then <laughs> we're, we're allowed to play it but you know there'll still be a new call of duty every year no matter what no matter Man, what's that, happening i i am mad at that putin for uh for <laughs> canceling my advance wars that's the only only otherwise he's great but uh, no, <laughs> i i can't okay but for watching stuff bob was mr movies this month i actually i don't think i watched a full film this month i watched so much tv pick of the month actually is cyberpunk edge runners because after we did the girl Lagan. I was like, oh, well, the, you know, Trigger just with him, directed by Imaishi just did a new special on Netflix and it's 10 episodes set in the, uh, it's a spinoff to the video game, Italian to Cyberpunk 2077. It is way better. I, uh, my husband, I watched him play like four hours of it. And I was like, plus, bleh, I didn't give a shit about that game. But the, the anime is a lot of fun. It reminds me of the ultra violent cyberpunk OVAs of our, of our youths, Bob. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I wish it was called something else because that brand is just so such poison it's just associated with so much misery like that game came out during covid and it was one of the worst launches ever it was and and people killed themselves to make it too it was so much misery went into making a bad product apparently now it's the this anime is causing it to get popular again like people are a bunch of people who skipped it before and now honestly you know 18 months later maybe it's finally a good game you know maybe it's finally balanced and works right <laughs> the, mo- the most i'd ever seen of the game is people buying it like in november of 2020 and making their penis with the character creator and yes, that's all yeah. that's all i ever saw of the game and also uh, all the bugs also all of the horrible bugs yeah you know it's also been impressive watching edge runners like there is actual like sex and nudity and heads exploding exploding just like uh those those old uh extreme ovas of the 80s and And, uh and yeah then uh i watched the new special on peacock would it kill you to laugh the john early caper lance sketch thing uh that's really it's really funny if you like awkward comedy uh between a gay guy and a a woman who's half jewish as they brand themselves Hmm. in the show uh it's it's really funny it's the first time i've turned on peacock in a while i've been watching as as of course i'm told to by disney 
you know, She-Hulk and Andor. Uh, they're both good shows. They're good. I mean, more uh, like sh- uh, more like Blandor is what I say. <laughs> I haven't hey. seen a frame of it. I just thought of a fun quip. It's a good, you know, it actually uh, is good. If you want a thing that actually feels like a prestige tv show and not just a bunch of like references Andor is the closest to that i've seen the first three episodes no references to a thing you've seen before it feels more like episodes of like breaking bad or whatever not you know it's it's not that great i'm just saying it's it's pretty good also i watched the rest of the new season of harley quinn also really good they do some fun stuff with bruce wayne in it that i i did not expect and also all of jojo part six of the new 12 episodes they they dropped on netflix netflix has got to go to weekly releases it is making their shows just vanish nobody talks about them like a whole new season uh jojo used to be an event on my twitter every week when it was streaming on crunchyroll now nobody talks about this part six that's on netflix yeah i agree uh I- i've really enjoyed uh the one, the one weekly show i'm watching is the new beavis and butthead and it's just like oh it's thursday i could watch a new uh, episode of the show i really like instead of staring down the barrel of 10 new episodes and thinking like oh, i'll get around to this sometime <laughs> and then once you watch it all like and it's gone you're like all right well in in 12 to 18 months i'll maybe get more of this and same with like bee and puppy cat there was a new bee and puppy cat in in years and then when they finally make a new batch they just dump it all and it's really good and it also actually reminds me a bit of evangelion rebuild because it's kind of a remake of the first season and then there's a new season and then i watched that new lord of the ring show it certainly looks expensive but it's a bit slow i gotta say i, hey, I don't expect know nothing both. less of lord of the rings uh yeah that's true it's yeah, kind of golf. slow as what it does especially <laughs> in the books uh and uh and i watched the new ricky morty season it is really funny you know i wish I wish Rick and Morty didn't attract bad fans because it's a very funny show. I can't wait to watch. There's an episode written by a Talking Simpsons guest coming soon. The bye bye Heather Ann Campbell. Oh, cool, I'm cool. To that and uh, and also, did you see uh, Heather Ann Campbell's Instagram that she is building an old Pizza Hut table in her house? Yes, I've seen her her saga of getting the classic stained glass Pizza Hut uh, hanging <laughs> lamps. Uh, very uh, very interesting it's amazing to see it yes yes yeah. I, mean, I mean well we all have the same fondness for when when pizza hut was good dang it or yes, at least yeah. when they pretended to be a real restaurant i don't even know what they are anymore i feel like a pizza Hut's just a counter now yeah. and you get your yeah. pizza and you walk away it's a counter in front of an oven and they're like all right or really it's where your you know dasher or whatever picks up your pizza but yeah it's it's like a ghost kitchen now and i finally watched the gretzko season four on on my one of my flights this month and uh it was really good and now you know they just announced the fifth and final seasons february so it's uh now that season you know uh you've watched it bob right the, the fourth yeah season. i think i watched it last holiday season because that's when it came out and yeah. uh, i I have mostly forgotten about it, but it's a lot about uh, Gretzko and Haida. Yeah, yeah. I do like it. Haida is like kind of a... uh a real a real loser in this season who has to get his crap together but then he gets his crap together too much and and breaks some laws but uh, i remember it being uh a little too cartoony towards the end that that kind of turned me off uh mm-hmm. because it, it should be somewhat grounded in reality despite being about talking animals and one of them becomes an idol 
for a season, but uh, I hope it gets a little more down to earth in uh, the next season. But it's the last one, so I, I can do with another season of Agretzko. And, uh, and and lastly, as far as my travels, I avoided getting COVID a second time, which I couldn't believe when 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 we came back from the D twenty three trip. I was just feeling kind of tired. My husband Darren, he got he was having a cold symptoms, and I was like, all right, it's he's got to have it. It's it's this is just how it went last time. And we tested ourselves like for uh, five days straight and he never got a positive, me neither. And so I guess it really was one of those times where it was like, oh, it was a cold we thought was COVID. And, mm-hmm. and uh, now I've gotten my my updated booster and all that. So uh, I'm, I'm feeling more COVID confident than, than I had in a while. But I was sure I was going to get it on our Chicago trip because I wore my mask places. No one else seemed to anywhere. And especially when I was at the top of the Sears or the Willis Tower, uh in chicago surrounded by tourists uh in a small you know in an enclosed space and no one's wearing masks and we're all going to the same window box to take our photos of like look how high we are i was just like god there's no way i don't get covid here but shockingly i did not and man chicago is a great city i love it the only negative i'll say about chicago is they have such a damn chip on their shoulder you know nobody in new york talks about how like hey you know what we're better than chicago like they don't care like but in chicago they're just like you know what we have that new york doesn't have and did you know that technically this building is taller than the <laughs> one in new york and i was like all right guys come, it's come like a uh, little brother syndrome or something a bit yes, like, we yeah we can do new york stuff i, I yeah i think I might even like Chicago. I mean, I've only been to New York for a very short period of time, but I've been to Chicago more, and I did, I did really like it. And I wasn't always thinking of New York. Yeah, no. But they I, both have good, good kinds of pizza there. You know, each each city has their own thing. Chicago, beautiful place. I, I went to the Willis Tower. Finally, my childhood dream of going to the Sears Tower was fulfilled. And I went. To, we did a boat tour of the architecture around the Chicago River, which was really cool. And I did eat two types of deep dish pizza. I had the pizza pot pie which was more of like a, a bread bowl except the bread bowl soup was cheese and and fit pizza filling and then the other one i had was giordano's which if you're one of those people who cares about that in in chicago i now rank it number one is pequods number two is giordano's and number three is lou malnati's which I mentioned that to Mike Carlson in, a, in over Twitter, and he was he was like, "Oh, I'm a I'm a Lou Malnati's guy. I'm shocked you like uh, he 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 didn't uh, prefer uh, that I liked Giordano's over Lou Malnati's." Lou I'm Malnati's. looking forward to doing some food tourism in Portland. I've not been there in three years. I want to go to uh, Sizzle Pie, uh, get some <laughs> Pine State biscuits, go to Apex and play pinball, Ground Control, Quarter World. Uh, Portland locals are probably like disgusting. Why would you go there? Uh, these are the places I like. Uh, please, please leave your suggestions on uh, on Twitter or something. I don't know. I I haven't been there in three years. I like to know where to go. But that's what's happening in our lives. Let's get oh, yeah. the comments. Oh, oh anything else, Henry? Oh, or is- well, and also, yes, I went to the AEW wrestling show where right, everything right. imploded, and I was very sad afterwards. Where- C- CM Punk lived up to his name. He was quite a punk backstage. He, I got to see the perhaps could be the last time CM Punk wrestles. So I can always say that. But uh, we'll well. I I guess uh we'll see but yes right now cm punk my favorite wrestler and kenny omega my other favorite wrestler are suspended because they got in a fight right after the show i watched and <laughs> a real I one sta- <laughs> a real one not a fake one and i stayed up all night 
following the news on it and it was uh was a rough night uh, coming home from chicago rough not the happiest birthday for old henry gilbert <laughs> when i turned 40 that i had to think about all this drama yeah. at AEW. henry buried the lead henry turned 40 so now you're yes, we're both in the uh, older than homer club and we're feeling yeah. it yeah. <laughs> yeah. so that uh, that was my month uh, let's talk about questions and comments from the last round of episodes. So up first, we have uh, the Susie Dieter and Lou Morton interviews. We did a, a week of uh, non-standard programming in which we did two interviews with Simpsons and Futurama folks. Very, very good. We realize interviews are, are less popular than regular episodes. We ask you to listen to them because they were great interview subjects. A lot of fun info came out of them. And Susie Dieter was especially very candid about her experience in the animation industry as a woman. So we really appreciate her telling those stories on our on our show and i hope oh, uh, yes. she definitely she she listened to it and she got back to us and she was really complimentary so we thank suzy dieter for her time especially uh-huh. and, and also lou morton but thad kamarowski says thank you so much for the frank interview with a talented artist who proves once again that the golden age wasn't so golden and by the way uh, thad is talking about the suzy uh, dieter episode thad goes on to say as you move away from the harvard inner circle jerk and the long-standing risks still in the simpsons employ you're going to find out more and more that industry vets really have come to hate this show not saying Susie's interview was this, but the pendulum definitely swung with it. Someone commented on an old post here that I want to fight the whole industry. I guess someone of Dieter's stature having to pedal for work isn't an indicator as of why. Uh, Susie is credited on the disastrous Larry Doyle Looney Tune shorts. Understandable that blurred in her memory. So yes, yes, uh, Fed uh, pointing out that yes, uh, the Harvard writers love working on The Simpsons despite the long hours. Animators uh, perhaps more of a struggle, especially for women in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also to hear, like, t- as he pointed out, Susie Dieter mentioned us that, like, she was looking for work for a bit of time. I was like, how is an artist so good as she is also like and who's been directing since her 20s? Like, she's looking for work for that long. Like, it seems insane to me. But yeah, <laughs> it does feel like the same problem that happens in every industry where it's like, no, we want someone younger who we can pay less and exploit more. You uh, yeah. you know what we're going to do to you and we don't want anyone with your knowledge. You know how bad this is going to be. So we have to make it worth We'd have to pay you for how bad it's going to be. Joe Hodgson also said uh, about both interviews. Good interviews, gentlemen. The new Beavis and Butthead is so good. It cannot be stressed enough. It's incredible how well it holds up and a Pro tip for anyone looking to watch it that doesn't have Paramount Plus yet. You get a year through T-Mobile that might still be available and certainly worth checking out. Hopefully Paramount adds more legacy content because their promise of every classic episode complete with the videos on the service has not even come remotely close to being realized. That's true. And yeah, again, another recommendation for the new series. Uh, Nina and I just watched a few of the newer ones that we had missed. And then we watched some of the older ones that were still very funny. But in my mind, I was like, you know what? Actually, this is the one rare instance in which the new show the writing is better than the old show I think you're right. Yeah. Oh, and also, you know, our pal Lou Morton, he didn't even mention it in our interview. Maybe the plan hadn't fully come together yet, but based on his tweets, I think they succeeded. They, as a promotional stunt, broke the world record for largest, like, nacho serving or, like, plate of nachos ever and, and yes. made it in, in Los Angeles. It was, f- like, something like five, almost 5,000 pounds of nachos. I believe so, yeah. So I, hope, I hope they gave those to the homeless or I hope they were all consumed <laughs> because whenever there's a food record, it's like, oh, look at all the food that we wasted. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I hope I would hope it uh, it, it was eaten by somebody who yes. would appreciate it. Yeah. But again, uh, check out those interviews. Uh, even if you're not, if you if you don't know who Susie Dieter or Lou Morton are, you're going to learn a lot about the shows that you love and their influence on all of your favorite uh, cartoons. Moving on to uh, Burns of Our Coffin Der Craft work, and of course Nina was on this. Thank you, Nina. She's uh, in the room behind me. And by the way, we want to point out uh, on this episode, there's like a really weird uh, reuse shot when Homer goes, "Oh, that's a lot of money." It's just like he's in a different room. He, his his tie his his tie is either gone or there. I forget how it works. But uh, as soon as we asked the question, uh, I believe it was uh, Kaylin Ramos first identified uh, that little shot from Simpson and Delilah because I think they even like mirrored the shots too. I I want to say that's why I couldn't place it because I definitely looked at Simpson and Delilah in like Frankiac along with all the other stuff but I think because the image got reversed I couldn't transpose it when looking at it in it. That, that's my excuse for missing it because normally me and Bob are really good at finding uh, reused animation sources and it especially in in a season three of the Simpsons, but uh, they, they tricked us in that one. But I, I appreciate Kalen Ramos for figuring it out, being the first two. Other people commented as well, and thank you for that, but I want to give credit to the first one to, to point it out in the comments. Uh, so moving on to Aaron Hardy, who says, I know you said no football comments, but I have to point <laughs> out that uh, Brownie the Elf is having a pretty big day. First, he gets the honor of trending on Twitter due to being painted on the Browns field, which is probably the first time a lot of the NFL audience is learning he even exists and now a talking simpsons mention i have no idea why cleveland doesn't just license a drawing of a bulldog instead of an elf but hey and yeah uh i saw this comment and then we were at a bar or something and the browns game was on and yeah brownie the elf huge in the middle of the field so uh yeah it was kind of surreal to to mention like i I thought it was an obscure fact that brownie the elf or this this little brownie character was a mascot now he's back folks yeah i saw brownie the elf trending like right around when this episode posted and i thought wait no this can't be about us and then i yeah i saw that the news was it got painted onto the field which is crazy yeah (laughs) also on that episode renardo schlegel milch said great episode guys a few thoughts from a german who grew up with the episode in a dubbed version the two businessmen speak with heavy accents the skinny one with a berlin accent the other one bavarian so in the scene at the bar where burn speaks german he tries to imitate the berlin accent as does smithers when he repeats the german phrases on tape overall it was weird for us as kids to see this as it was the only time our home country was referenced this heavily in american media We loved it, though we felt a bit insulted as well. Oh, and as many people uh, said, Zwei Reich typen means two rich guys. So. You know, I used a direct translator and I feel like whoever wrote that on the check or came up with the line just did word replacement because mm. what I fed into the translator should have given me that, but yeah, it didn't. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I was going to say Renardo Schlegelmilch is German. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I, I really guessed. I really appreciate this insight from an actual German who grew up watching it in German as well, like in Deutsch. I always wonder with dubs like that because you know, like for example, uh, I think I this was in the Little Mermaid one that in the French dub for Little Mermaid they changed the uh, the Frenchman to an Italian chef to not insult the French <laughs> watching it. Uh, yes, it's like who do we hate? Uh, go with 
Italians, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on to Teen Angel. And again, we had a weird uh, September. Thanks for rolling with the punches. <laughs> we had interviews. We had a, uh, a podcast about a show you probably never heard of outside of our podcast. And it was fun to watch it for the first time and see what a disaster it truly was. And we understand why its own creators hate it and uh, yes. didn't acknowledge our podcast in any way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, uh, you know what? Uh, Mike Reese really, the, he did hit like on my tweet telling people to buy his book and linking to uh-huh. the link of his book. So. Hey, he knows what's important here. Yeah. Uh, but Matthew Mahoney says, uh, episodes like this are why I subscribe. I was deep in the TGIF fandom when Teen Angel, You Wish, and a few others premiered. It's the first time I ever remember thinking, I don't think I want to watch this. I lied to myself <laughs> and came back week after week, but it was clear that TGIF had hit its expiration date with me. But Teen Angel was so horrible that it stayed with me and I would happily bring it up around fellow TV nerds in college. Uh, and there you have it. Yes, no one was a Teen Angel defender. <laughs> no. In comments. No. They were either unaware of it or like, yeah, I watched this and I hated it. Yes, yeah. Most I, I saw it in the Discord too, a lot of comments saying like, I had no memory of this, and then the first clip played and I was like, Oh, wait a minute, I remember that. I re- I remember that joke. <laughs> like Bradford A. Barker said on the uh, in the comments, I was one of the few people who watched this show. At the time I have no idea there was a Simpsons connection. The one joke I remember was this exchange between a young character and an old character. Do you like Yasmin Bleeth? Yes, I do like having teeth, uh, which I believe I actually saw that clip. That's in the first episode of the reboot uh, with uh, with Jerry Van Dyke in it. It like sounds like a Grandpa name. Simpson joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really. It's exactly a, a Grandpa Simpson joke. Yeah. But that- they, they were writing uh, mean old people jokes uh, for a real old person to say yeah on their show <laughs> similar to all of their ugly woman jokes they have an actual living human woman <laughs> have to embody yeah <laughs> but uh what, what a fun uh, set that must have been uh moving on to what a cartoon uh rescuers down under was our movie for august and i have to thank all of our listeners because it's the opposite of teen angel every all of our uh, listeners love this movie and we didn't like it me especially and i remember <laughs> before this went live i saw people in our discord i think saying oh they better not say anything mad uh, mean about this movie and i was like uh-oh <laughs> but <laughs> but everyone, everyone uh, understood why we didn't like it that much, even though it's a, it's a very uh, interesting technical showpiece for digital animation and things like that. And again, it's the first fully digital movie period, which is crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. This weird little sequel. So uh, Harry Thornton says, it's funny, though welcome, that modern streaming versions of this film don't replace the old Disney logo with the CG one, because that logo is, according to most online sources I found, directed by Mike Gabriel. Given how long it's lasted, 16 years and counting, and how many films appeared in front of, it's by far the most watched piece of animation Gabriel has ever directed and Harry adds uh, that while Billy Barty did not play an Ewok he was in another George Lucas production. He played the High Aldwin, basically a wizard, in the 1988 fantasy film Willow. So there you have it. Yeah, that was good because I think I said like oh, Billy Barty must be at least an Ewok in a Star Wars. I was wrong but yes, he was. uh, I mean, if you were a little person actor when they were making Willow and you weren't in it you were probably insulted you're like i thought they used all of us in this but uh and- you were you're one of those blacklisted uh wizard of oz little people that were like grabbing dorothy and uh, not welcome on any set you know what willow's coming back folks and uh, i don't know how to feel about that because as a kid i liked willow and i remember there's one mystery science theater where like a running joke in the theater is mike saying oh this is worse than willow and crow keeps going hey i liked willow so as a kid i was also right. thinking what is, is willow supposed to be bad Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I plan on doing a Willow episode for Retronauts about the two games and the original movie. So I want to go back into Willow. And I know w- one of the monsters in Willow is named
named after Siskel and Ebert. So, oh, uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yes, the the Ebert Sisk is the name of one of the monsters. Yeah, that's funny. I I I watched Willow in the theaters as a little kid and really liked it as a little kid. Though some obviously I was like six or seven. So I, how much can you really appreciate a film then? But I haven't watched it since. But I will say it was really weird at the D twenty three panel. We did get into the Marvel panel and uh, which is when they show all the Marvel things, but they also have a Star Wars section too. And then they showed the new Willow thing. I was like, this is so weird. Who is this for? Like who actually remembers Willow? And is like, wow, it, Willow's back. Like, yay, more stories of the tales of Willow. Yeah, Willow uh, yeah. was one of the reasons why Lucas had to just do another Indiana Jones movie because it was a bunch of things he made like Labyrinth, Willow, Howard the Duck weren't very popular. So it's like, yeah. all right, back to Indiana Jones. We got to do something. And and of course, you know, this new Willow that only has two actors from it and not Mad Mardigan, like, because, you know, Val Kilmer, we, if you saw Top Gun, you know, Val Kilmer can't really star in stuff right now. It's uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. speaking of Top Gun, it was funny because on my flight, um, I was sitting in uh, on, to the front of me to the left. Someone was watching Top Gun to the front of me to the right. Someone was watching Top Gun Maverick. So it's like turn to the left, smooth cruise, <laughs> turn to the right, craggy cruise. Craggy. Uh, so it was it was an interesting experience, uh, just like turning my head left. Left and right and seeing like the two movies running around at around the same time so very very weird oh you know also d23 while i'm on the subject i ended up going to a thing i went to a spider-man panel out of real want to go to a, an amazing spider-man celebrate 60 years of amazing spider-man comics panel i was the guy who got to shout out all the trivia answers because like all right now where did gwen stacy die and that is a classic spider-man trick question because it's drawn to be the brooklyn bridge but they say george washington bridge in the comics so you say george Washington Bridge but then when it was over I found out really why the panel was packed they were giving out exclusive comics for free there that would only be uh, uh, variant covers offered there that are currently worth $600 on eBay but I haven't sold mine yet but I was like wow I ended up with this collectible comic without even planning to yeah. and, uh, and also I got to uh, get something signed by Bill Farmer and it was really cool to meet him and I got to compliment his work on the Goofy movie a Goofy movie though he actually appreciated my husband's Kingdom Hearts shirts more he was like wow that's a cool shirt like he he's really a man who has leaned into being goofy <laughs> uh and also on rescuers down under that kamaroski uh joins in again and says most of my comments mirror both of yours i actually cheered when henry called prince and the pauper boring the only thing that really stuck with me from a childhood viewing was the restaurant and the waiters which still remains the highlight of the film along with the albatross getting sodomized by the <laughs> nurse mice i was actually startled by how little happens and how many loose ends are left loose when i rewatched it a few months ago you were right to call out Medusa should have just been Cruella. Milt Call was very jealous of Mark Davis animating Cruella and Dalmatians. So I think the over-the-top Medusa stuff is him justifying the wrong of that earlier film. So, mm. and, and Thad had a bunch of other great details on it too, but I, I really like that bit of him affirming like, oh yeah, this Medusa, the, the worst version of Cruella in the first Rescuers was a response to of jealousy to Cruella. And yeah, Prince of the Popper, boring. It's a yes. boring movie. <laughs> I, I will not be watching it. Uh, moving on to Garfield and Friends, uh, Binky gets canceled again, and then like six other things were in that episode. But uh, <laughs> Miles DX says that CGI Garfield show is really not that great, despite Mark Evanier being behind it again. There are some good episodes, but don't go into it expecting anything close to Garfield and Friends. One thing of note, though, uh, June Foray did finally get an Emmy Award due to her role in the Garfield show, where she voices Mrs. Cauldron. If anything, look up the multi-episode Bewitched for some classic June Foray witch voice acting. I 
and boy, yeah, like June Foray was a witch uh, in media for about 70 years. And now I notice, like, oh, that's Tress McNeil. Tress McNeil yes. is now doing every witch. Uh, she was the Wicked yeah. Witch in um, the the Disney short, the Simpsons Disney short that just came out. Yes, yeah, she was. Yeah, yeah, doing. She now is that inherited all those June Foray voices. To, to think that it apparently, according to this comment, took, I didn't know this, that it took June Foray into probably her early 90s to finally win a fucking Emmy Award for a performance. That's insane. That is crazy. Romega also said about Garfield and Friends, I do remember the push to read as a kid. Parents were afraid that TV and video games would hurt literacy rates, but not playing outside for eight hours on the weekends. Even recently, I saw a meme saying, get rid of the man cave, bring back the study. I mean, what is a study but a man cave with books? And yeah, I mean, I want to study. Ever since I heard Frasier talk <laughs> about it and say, like, I'll be in my study. Or I feel like Beast in the X-Men had his own study as well. I was like, yeah, a place for books. Or Belle, she's got her own study or she inherits one through through marriage, I guess. Yes, uh, we were talking about like the literacy conspiracy that uh, made us all focus on the wrong skills for the job market. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I can, like I said, uh, I, I think I, like, I, I ranted about that in the episode, but it's like, oh yeah, literacy is not valued at all uh, because <laughs> have you ever gotten just like the worst written email from your boss and you're like, you, like, I'm so much smarter than you. Why, why are you telling me what to do? You can't even uh, string, string a sentence together. But yeah, uh, latter millennials, uh, early millennials, and uh, probably Gen Xers, we all read too many books and we learned that nobody cared. Nope, nobody cares. As, as that great joke in Beavis and Butthead points out, like nobody studies the humanities anymore. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, so moving on to Talking Futurama, Future Stock, uh, Thad Komarowski is all over this episode and he says, uh, <laughs> having worked in government, I am totally aware of the facts being a mandatory function. Fortunately, I believe you actually can use slash send to a specific email address and it'll convert to a fax. So productive. Yeah. And uh, faxes, let's get rid of them, folks. Uh, don't need I them. Know. We can scan things. We can email things. Uh, throw them all in a dumpster. It's it's incredible that we still are using fax machines in so many parts of government. And even I, you know, that thing Thad mentioned, that was even shot down by a IRS agent uh, for us who are like, can, can we just email this to a thing and and it could get then be printed out and the guy's like no no it really has to be faxed right now like yeah, and on a fax number the least secure way to send anything you're just like yeah. feeding uh, pictures of papers through a phone line and shooting them to another machine that anyone anyone can pick up those papers and read them uh, but at least it finally worked yes yes it did uh, work. also, also on future stock sarah crystal heart says men without hats albums actually completely rip so you're absolutely right to check them out pop goes the world a great album especially the track walk on water huge shock to me as a baby punk when i learned all my cool friends love the one hit wonder ren fair video band and we were also told in the comments that uh, beavis and butthead absolutely watched this video and i yeah i'm not shocked i think i have memories of some of the the quips but i i believe they had some quips about the little person who's who's featured <laughs> in that ren fair video yes. i'm sure yeah. they did but it's like yeah they would always watch the most ridiculous uh videos uh moving on to king of the hill Bob Bobby saga. So Alex Forsyth uh, explained what a pace car was for several paragraphs. We we appreciate <laughs> that, but we're not going to read it on the air. Check out the comment section on the Patreon if you want to read more about that. But after explaining that, uh, Alex went on to say, oh, and Dale Earnhardt fans hated Jeff Gordon then because he contributed to a crash in the 1997 Daytona 500 near the end of the race that cost Earnhardt a chance to win his first Daytona 500 win after 19 tries. And then Gordon went on to win the race. Earnhardt won the 1998 Daytona 500 in February, which was before the episode aired, but probably before it was written and recorded and this anger tore
towards Gordon subsided. So this episode is a bit of a time capsule. Finally, Earnhardt crashed and died three-fourths through the final lap of the race. His teammate and son were first and second, and he was being very aggressive, blocking the rest of the pack to let them fight it out alone for the win. The race was over before anyone even knew he was hurt. I basically watched everything on TNN that wasn't country or fishing back in the day. And yeah, uh, thank you. I was only willing to do so much NASCAR research. Uh, clearly not enough. And then we had another comment saying that, uh, yes, he probably would have survived if he did wear the hands safety mm. device. And that's why they made it mandatory after his death, uh, because hey. he probably would be alive and uh, getting ready to be on the King of the Hill reboot. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to live free and die free. And he got his wish. You know that. But yeah, but I, I really appreciate Alex uh, also for explaining pace cars and the intricacies of those. But to know why Jeff Gordon was especially hated by older men because he was this young upstart who stole a veteran's like big win in 97 like that's why everybody hated this guy but he, uh, he disrupted the Earnhardt legacy exactly yeah but and I say so good thank on him. you yes finally our, our last comment of the episode Matt LS says Regarding tossing concessions, Roger Owens was the famous peanut man for Dodger Stadium for over 60 years since the team moved to Los Angeles, and he would throw bags of peanuts to hungry customers in the stands. Known for his behind-the-back toss, he was frequently featured in the Jumbotron. However, as of July 2022, the team has prohibited Owens from tossing treats. A sad day for baseball. No. Uh, frankly, and I just want to be handed the peanuts. If I, if I spend money on peanuts and then they just explode, all over me <laughs> yes, uh yeah. that's not a good time that's like eight dollars for a little sack of hot peanuts probably at the dodger stadium it feels like toxic masculinity being enforced upon us like come on you have to play catch right now while you're watching baseball like just hand him to me i probably got, probably got a beer in my one hand too it's, it's not cool <laughs> uh to know that though that apparently that if you see a backhanded toss I, I like peanut man jokes are in so many cartoons could it all go back to this roger owens guy because he was the one doing it in los angeles meaning most if you saw at a baseball game and you worked in the animation industry it was probably at a dodgers game oh probably I yeah i guess yeah. he could have popularized the peanut toss yeah so yeah. i hope he's still uh he's at home tossing things around just to stay you know sharp <laughs> Because yeah, he can't do it at Dodger Stadium anymore. Like now he's an 80-year-old man who has to hand peanuts to people instead of tossing it at us. Uh, honestly, Owens needs to quit or retire after that. He's like, if you take out the toss, then you take out Owens. I'm <laughs> out of here. <laughs> retire his uh, his concession uh, tray or something. Hang it up next to the uh, next to the, the uniforms or whatever. Uh, but yes, that's been another episode of Talk to the Audience. Woo! Thanks for listening, folks. Uh, we appreciate your support. And it's going to be a fun October. It's transforming robot month for some reason. We're not doing any holidays. Halloween content, unfortunately, but we've got some cool stuff like the Gurren Lagan episode at the beginning of the month, uh, Transformers at the end, and of course, uh, Talking Futurama, Talking the Hill, Sandwich in the Middle, and our regular run of Talking Simpsons episodes. And of course, uh, like we said, uh, we'll be announcing which episodes of Blabbing About Batman, the animated series, will be coming to you from mid-November to the end of the year. That announcement will happen towards the end of October. We, won't, we don't want to do it too early. Uh, we mm. want to do it uh, closer to the launch of the series, but just know you're going to be getting eight new episodes of that that will be the fall miniseries and that's just uh that's just what we're able to do with our travels and having lost time due to covid and stuff but it's still going to be great it's still going to be the the miniseries you love and still the same amount of time and love put into all the episodes and we've chosen some really really good ones and henry and i each chose different ones like there was no yes. overlap in our choices so it's going to be a great assortment of episodes from all from the different span of the batman the animated series mm. and over and don't forget to vote in that poll for mr magoo's christmas carol yes or no we'll have a lot 
of fun talking about another holiday cartoon classic. Yes, we we have almost covered all of them. So yes. help help yeah. us with our with our goal here. At least the good ones. We've almost covered all the good ones. But thanks again for listening, folks. We'll see you again for another episode of Talk to the Audience. Take care. infotainment.